0: Welcome, everyone, to the Daredevil podcast by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is a guy so dedicated to the show that he'll prepare to rehearse a fight scene all day just to get it done in one take. It's Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about the Daredevil Season 3 panel at the recently concluded New York Comic Con
0: it was electric being in the room it was packed to the gills lots and lots of uh diehard daredevil fans there marvel netflix fans there and pete of course the one thing that was in no way shocking was that jeff loeb was the master of ceremonies the guy moderating the panel uh he was given by this audience a lot more energy uh than than the runaway panel the day before the Runaway panel Briskly attended, but not overflow a thing, as uh, as this all but was. Um, I think by our estimate, we were probably you know if there's five thousand seats in the Hulu theater. Oh, a whoa,
1: beat? whoa, this the streaming platform which shall not be named, Matt.
0: <laughs> theater which uh, housed uh, Marvel's Hulu's, uh, sorry, Marvel's Netflix's, the Marvel Netflix uh, Daredevil. Um, if every last seat wasn't taken, that was only because of the 5,000, there were 150, whatever it is. It was difficult seeing that far back in the corners to see where there were empty seats and uh, everyone there ready for, uh, f- for Jeff Loeb and Daredevil.
1: Yeah, we talk uh, throughout the Fantastic Geek family of podcasts and Marvel TV acknowledges the same, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the mother ship. But damn if Daredevil isn't OG Netflix 1A.
0: That is a great way uh, to look at it. And that really, you know, it is, of course, chronologically what kicked off Marvel Netflix. But also it really feels like home in a way, Pete, that may be the last Marvel Netflix show that we watched, which, you know, was a bit more we with its smaller episode order. Uh, You know, that that was good daredevil is great
1: it is and uh it's funny to think though it has been since the spring of 2016 that we've had a new season of daredevil let that one sink in for a minute you know we had the the initial season in um in spring april of uh, 2015 we got the second season a year later uh which has been the the quickest one season followed another on Netflix and no other show has has matched that. And then we had Defenders uh, a year ago, August. So um, Charlie Cox and company, they've done and put out a show for Daredevil, essentially. Um, Every year, you count Defenders as you know, a, a Daredevil uh, joint. So, you know, 15, 16, 17, and now we're getting the 18. But there just seems a renewed vigor with everything that we saw uh, from the energy in the room and a lot of love for Old Hornhead.
0: Yeah, and I think certainly a lot of it has to do with the comic foundation that the show is on. It's just so rich with the potential for you know for romance across the different characters and all that catholic guilt and what is right and what is wrong and the the tough you know and rough life in hell's kitchen where maybe i don't mean to overly belabor the point but you know maybe an iron fist just just by the way it is set up from the comics he's super rich he does you know karate all around town is maybe a little less evocative but you know nonetheless daredevil has that has that comic foundation then you add to it this fantastic cast perfectly placed every single last person and as you say pete we saw a cast that had now completed uh close to 50 episodes in the shoes of their respective characters depending on how many episodes uh you know some of your supporting characters was in uh, was in defenders uh i mean it's just they know these characters in and out backward and forward
1: they do. Luke Cage season two uh, took us over 100 episodes of uh, Marvel Netflix, which is, you know, you you think of that number and then you sit and you count all the shows and you're like, yeah, yeah, they're they're over that. Um, but you know, with a with a 13 episode season coming for season three that's been confirmed for us now for Daredevil, you know, yeah, to think that these characters have been doing this. Some of them, you know, over that amount. We, we've not heard if uh, Rosario Dawson returns for this season. We do know she was very, very in demand for pilot season, um, which would have been approximately when they were winding up shooting. Uh, so it remains to be seen. But, um, you know, Jeff Loeb comes out and does his customary chant shtick. What what was this one, Matt? This was Daredevil and uh, Fisk?
0: Uh, I believe, yes. Because I remember it striking my mind, like, Fisk is not a great word to say as a chant. Um, but it was Daredevil and Fisk. Um, Pete, part of me thinks that he learned after the Season 1 Runaways panel, where one group was going to be uh hulu and he said what is it again and somebody yelled netflix it crossed my (laughs) mind that like though the jeff loeb shtick is by and large the same structure and the way he runs a panel is by and large the same i will mention pete we've never seen a stinker panel out of him so for as much as we kind of jest a bit that it's the same format it's it's also a format that works time and time again but to my ears, he has not asked an audience to say the name of the network ever again after yeah. somebody, you know, took a jab at at what is a competitor to Hulu. So yes, it was Daredevil and Fisk. And uh, it,
1: it's funny too, you know, we don't see other heads of television at New York Comic Con and and running this. So we we lovingly tease Jeff Loeb, but. You know he's he's got a thing he's got it down and he does it. There are a lot of other people who defer to, you know, talent from the show or maybe uh, you know an an outside voice in the case of uh, Whoopi Goldberg doing the Amazon uh, Good Omens panel or maybe even a showrunner themselves. But uh, yeah, for, for our money. You know, this is, this is the guy to do.
0: And you know what? I mean, in this podcast, we're talking about his shtick. We talked about it on Runaways yesterday. One thing that we didn't touch on yesterday, but that he does every single time is he names people that he wants to thank. And as, as somebody who's part of the great unwashed sitting there in the audience, does that mean a whole lot to me? I mean, no, I mean, he's naming, you know, Ted at Netflix. Uh, yeah, that's, that's. You know, one of the head people there and, you know, and and whatnot. He's naming the big wigs. the
1: fabulous, Susie. Like, he, he, there's a gratitude that is palpable in what he does beyond the gravitas that he brings as a longtime veteran writer, producer, now, you know, TV side runner in, in the uh marvel cinematic universe
0: and i mean look i might not know who the tireless you know the 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 tireless Janie is but darn it when my season of marvel's blank is not up to snuff you know we're the first ones to talk about that on the podcast and the flip side is if the tireless Janie, you know is is working late a couple nights to help make sure that uh, another in humans doesn't happen again or that sort of thing you know it's worth it for everybody and it really i think that for, for him to pull the veil back ever so slightly and to name these people some of whom are there others of whom are watching others of whom are going to have assistants tell them oh jeff Loeb thank you it, it it's just this notion of no detail too small to get things right
1: yeah and uh as was evident as we start in making the uh the steps into the panel and then it was, Oh wait, hang on Uh minor misfire here. Uh, we got something to show you. And then he heads back and they treated us to a Marvel, uh, Netflix collection sizzle reel of largely existing, uh, shows. You had all your defender shows. You had, uh, the Punisher as well, which got the loudest cheers, um, in the uh in the theater there at msg and then uh you know um jeff acknowledged oh yeah you were supposed to see that before i came out
0: hey it's all good uh, i will say this about the punisher i think most of the people there assembled a have seen punisher and b probably part of the reason it got applause was because last year the punisher uh yeah. panel got canceled it was uh you know too close after what unfortunately was the latest shooting that at the time the uh the las vegas uh massacre which occurred they made the right decision the right pr decision i think just kind of the right emotional decision to not hold a panel about a guy who at least on the surface goes around you know shooting people for 13 episodes however it was a show that was about ptsd trying to reassimilate into the world and a litany of other issues and i think there was that briefest moment from that New York Comic Con crowd this year to say, here's the moment of applause that show deserves and deserves above and beyond, because it's not a show about shooting and killing and machine guns and gore. It's about larger things.
1: Yeah. And if only they finally get their due outside of, you know, the window of a tragedy like that, um, you know, shame they couldn't somehow figure out time in the schedule to uh to have a panel for them yet, but you also don't want to overshadow your other shows that are further in the pipeline, as it were. But uh it was at this point, Matt, that uh Jeff Loeb introduced a new showrunner. Where have <laughs> we heard that before? Uh for Daredevil in season three in Eric Olson.
0: Yes, uh, Eric Olson, who replaced uh, Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez, who were the showrunners for season two, who had replaced uh, Stephen tonight, who was the showrunner for most of season run- one, who had replaced uh, 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 Drew Goddard, who got the show up off the ground. I don't know that he actually show ran anything during uh, active shooting, but he was definitely running the show in pre production. So Pete, season three—that's the this is the fifth showrunner um i think we mention it just because it's a point of of curiosity i don't think the show has suffered at all from these uh leadership changes um and uh eric olson somebody with tons of producing cred uh man in high castle probably being uh the greatest critically uh arrow crisis the mob doctor and all the way back uh to, to a whole bunch of things he has writing credits as well so Somebody who I think is going to really uh, put you know, <laughs> put in the future, which of course is the past because the season is in the can, but will have put the season into uh, into some very good hands.
1: Yeah, and he teased a little bit about uh, things that he had asked to be able to play with for for this season. Um, I think he was super enthusiastic, uh, you know, back to what you mentioned real quick. I think there are some people out there that though we got Punisher in season two and we got the Electra storyline as well, which dovetailed into the defenders. I think people overall were a little down on season two. What with the super strong and revolutionary season one. And if anything, they're trying to get back to that season one aesthetic, uh, that real hardcore gritty. And again, not that season two wasn't that way. I've been, you know, uh, watching some older uh, episodes, uh, particularly in season two. Um, but I, I know that some people bounced in the middle there. I mean, we we watch all of this stuff, we do it, but, you know, the casual Observer does not always do that. And I think from what we've seen and what Olson t- talked about, this renewed energy is either going to bring new people to Daredevil and then they'll go back and discover all the older episodes, or um, it's going to reinvigorate those that maybe uh, left in season two.
0: What I think Marvel Netflix in general has suffered from is the notion of a big problem that gets slowly unwound over the course of 12 episodes and then you have the climactic showdown in the 13th episode what daredevil season two did however was to split that in half i mean it wasn't equal halves but you spent maybe the first four episodes where it was it was um daredevil v punisher then there's that twist you know, then you get more Electra stuff and whatnot, and kind of split that season in half a little bit more into the part A and part B, which I personally prefer. And I prefer Daredevil season two to Daredevil season one. I might add. It'll be interesting to see was all of that just was that kind of halving of uh, of season two? Was that just like uh, I don't know? Punisher good at the end, bad in the beginning. Uh, turns in the middle, uh, needs a lawyer, you know, like I don't know how much of that was just this intentional let's change up how these seasons get get paced because we really haven't seen that since then, except Luke Cage season two. Um, although even with that, uh, kind of, sort of. So we'll see. We'll certainly see Pete in 11 days, 12 days.
1: Absolutely. And I can tell you again from what I've seen of the, the first six it's been really, really good. I I'm so excited to talk with people about it that I can talk to, <laughs> um, just not over the airwaves just yet. Um, but it was at this point that we started to meet the new cast. Matt, and the first up was Jay Ali, who's playing FBI agent Nadim. Somebody who's going to uh, be working. They they tease he has the worst detail. In the world he is in charge of the security for one wilson fisk
0: yes you pete of course know jay ali from uh the fosters on on freeform and he just really seemed so so affable i mean given too this was a packed stage and you know few questions were sent his way jeff Loeb, of course making sure to ask a specific kind of heartfelt focused question to each person which is another hallmark it's not you know what do you think of fans you know it was it was specific stuff tell us about Nadim. tell us about what the you know what it was like working on the show things like that um Jay Ali just came across as really happy to be a part of this show and be a part of this cast super
1: relatable Uh, excited and somebody who you know we we don't know the scope that he necessarily may impact the season but somebody who's going to be involved in the proceedings at least as far as how we transition fisk from behind bars to not and wearing a white suit
0: yeah based on no inside knowledge at all just not even necessarily from the clips, although I guess I am I am informed by them a little bit. Do I think Agent Nadim shows up in every single episode all the way through? Maybe not. I'm kind of maybe counting an internal clock for something less than, than you know the, the very end of episode 313. and there goes Agent Nadim finally getting in that fishing trip he wanted. Um, I wouldn't bet on that. Which kind of, to me, adds to it because the guy came across as so genuine that yeah. I don't want anything to happen to his character.
1: Yeah, maybe more like sleeping with the fishes, but who knows? Uh, next, Matt was big news when it was announced. But do you remember Sister Maggie?
0: Well, Pete, I certainly remember her from uh, from the comics. I'm I'm pretty sure I've read the uh, the born again storyline uh, that much of this season is based on, although rather nicely for me as a spoiler-free person i don't remember much from it um i remember matt being really sick and having a fever which gee whiz pete that might lend him uh or land him rather in uh i don't know the company of somebody who might be able to tend to his bedside perhaps in some sort of charitable god-driven fashion but pete your thoughts on joanne wally's sister maggie
1: I think that we're going to come to view this as an ideal casting. I mean, the the response at the time was super high. You're talking about the only ever actress to portray uh, a film, albeit on uh, TV in a miniseries, character uh, like Scarlett O'Hara. So if there's anybody who's ready to step into the shoes of Sister Maggie, it would be Joanne Wally.
0: Next on the list is a, uh, a character that had only been known as FBI agent number two. A little bit had leaked out that his name might have been Dex. And Pete, my entire knowledge about Daredevil outside of these two shows, I know I've read the Born Again collected comic, uh, you know, comics into graphic novel form. Um, cannot, you know, can't, can't say a ton of it stuck. Uh, I've seen the Ben Affleck movie, and that's it. Um, I had a feeling that any mystery characters from this season might end up maybe being bullseye. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah. um, It had been kicked around for a while whether this would happen. Um, And once the maybe... 20-minute subterfuge was dropped. You know, um, Jeff Loeb introduces him first as FBI agent number two, and the minute I had seen that in the casting, I'm like, Ain- ain't no way we're getting Wilson Bethel to play somebody who doesn't get a name, and then um, Loeb is using the nickname Dex, which, of course, comes from Benjamin Poindexter. Uh, then um, we saw a uh a, a trailer uh cut together where there was an FBI uh, target on a hat and that was the old clunk over the head and then uh Loeb allowed um, uh Wilson Bethel to say the other name his character has I, I I don't know Matt are we gonna are we gonna say that here are we allowed to say
0: it I think it's been so out there, Pete, plus it was... it This
1: was, um... is not like Fisk, right, where I'm going to suddenly disappear. Uh, we, we don't even say his name, but yeah, uh, that he's playing bullseye. It was a great moment, and it was an even greater moment when Charlie Cox went over to him and with a Sharpie drew a really lousy target on the middle of his forehead.
0: It did cross my mind, like, was that done so spontaneously that Charlie Cox was like... Eh. Oi! I still have this uh, sharpie from the signing, or was it like, "Hey, before you go out there, here's this like black makeup pen." You know, uh, <laughs> I guess time will tell for that. Well, we should actually look up Wilson Bethel's social media or something just to find out how how real that was. But he he gamely, gamely sat through the rest of the uh, the rest of the panel with that rather lousy uh, bullseye on his head.
1: Yeah, and he couldn't see it. The joke was that uh, they had really drawn something naughtier on uh, on his forehead. Uh, but with that, we got the real heavy hitters. Not that, uh, you know, the guy who will become Bullseye is not a heavy hitter, but, you know, Jeff is just, and the audience is on a uh, first-name basis here. Eldon plays Foggy, and Deb plays Karen Page, and uh, <laughs> Vincent... I, he might've said Fisk.
0: Vincent D'Onofrio to be <laughs> fair. I think he might've gone both names there yeah. just because it's Vincent GD D'Onofrio.
1: Yes. Plays Fisk. And then you had Charlie Cox who the big reveal was wed last week.
0: Yes. Yes. Charlie Cox recently married and uh, Jeff Loeb had her stand up and then realized all the lights are off then had the house lights raised and there she was standing there and waving and whatnot. Um, in Pete the the section that Marvel guests could sit in for just in that panel which somebody on Twitter was really upset that there were some seats that you know the company that paid to bring everybody to this panel and or contractually required them or whatever I'm sure I'm sure Marvel paid and Netflix paid for hotels and all that yeah then had the audacity to have you know lighting guy who did electricity and boom mic operator who made sure the sound was good what he gets a seat in there and i don't get as good a seat Uh. well
1: let's let's contextualize this so the the panel the uh theater there at msg was completely full this after we were in two panels on friday that were not full one of which was a marvel panel okay uh, and we had been there before doors opened. Friday, Saturday, we got there immediately after they opened, and um, I would say that the Good Omens panel was probably very close to full. Uh, certainly, the the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse one was, um, and you can expect for these larger household name TV shows and uh, film properties to saunter into the panel minutes before. So they were queuing people outside MSG, and some people were losing their minds um, at the NYCC lines, the, the Twitter account that lets people know whether um, a, a panel, uh, a theater, uh, a venue is full, if there's still space, that, oh, hey, people are taking pictures of this Section 102 where there's nobody. Well, that's because that's where they put the talent, and they, they explained it that way. And it was just, it, it was moronic, the way that uh, some tweeters had, had lost their minds, thinking, well, I'm going to walk over from the show, and... And go see Daredevil, you know, midday. You got to put in for that, son.
0: And Pete, what time was Daredevil?
1: That was. Two o'clock. Two o'clock,
0: yeah. Because I'm just looking back at the Lions account. They tweeted at 1 11 that the Hulu theater was full. Okay. Um, so,
1: yeah, get there. I mean,
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So get the, you get there an hour before. In fact, they tweeted at, what's the timestamp here? Sit
1: through, at, a, sit through a subpar Spider Man thing.
0: At, or better than subpar but at twelve forty-eight, so I'm an hour an really hour bad. and 12 minutes before daredevil started the tweet was the theater is filling up head over now okay so my, my thought is this you know into the spider verse probably let's see no it was still going on and i think it went until one so my point being if you got there an hour ahead of time you probably got into the room if you got there an hour and 15 minutes ahead of time let's say walked on up then you still have to go through security and tap in but you got there an hour and 15 minutes ahead of time you were in there are no
1: freebies
0: yeah
1: Matt, at new york comic-con everything is earned and as we did throughout the weekend you know you you're you're in one panel People bounce from that one, you slide up to the to the next. And we have very specific tastes as far as where we want to sit and, and how we wanted to do it. So you know what? Don't cry to the convention line Twitter account because you have a lack of foresight.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to show up 45 minutes before something that <laughs> – He's in a room to seat 5,000 people. It's just, yeah. I mean, we're, we may be belaboring the point a little bit, but dear listener, if you take anything away from this, uh sometimes you got to put in the shoe leather. Sometimes you got to put in the, the ride in the bench, ride in the seat, you know, and that's part of it. I mean, it's not unreasonable to ask, to get there an hour early for a right. 90 minute panel. And this is the first Daredevil panel in two years in, on this coast, simple right. as that.
1: And and why the demand, Matt? Because if it wasn't gonna be an episode, and we had already seen the the runaways season two premiere episode during that panel, it was gonna be the half dozen clips that they screened us from Daredevil here, not knowing where they occur in the season, so on and so forth. So we we've been sworn to secrecy about specifics, but we can speak generically about uh what we witnessed which again will all drop uh nine days from now matt as we're recording friday october 19th
0: so yeah pete speaking just kind of generically here uh some great interplay between sister maggie and matt um i don't think it spoils anything to say oh my goodness pete Wilson Fisk, Daredevil, Wilson Cruz, Star Trek Discovery. Where are you going to see Wilson Cruz's character? The last place you saw him. Where do you see Matt Murdock? The last place (laughs) you saw him. The last
1: place you saw him with with nuns. Um, And it's it's not a school bus. But um, I particularly dug the toughness that I saw. We don't tend to think of nuns as being tough and this is a hell's kitchen nun uh she doesn't take any guff you can't really and uh i i really enjoy the portrayal we've seen thus far out of uh joanne wally
0: you think of the strength that joanne wally has demonstrated in her long career uh probably for many people listening they remember her best as sorsha in willow uh, Willow itself a soft remake of uh, Lord of the Rings meets Star Wars but I digress um she's great in that and to fast forward all these years later to see her to see her giving back to Matt more guff than he is giving her it shows what a great character this is yeah we
1: saw a scene um which I was actually thinking about beforehand uh You know, it's about time, but we're going to get to meet some of, uh, Foggy's family.
0: Yeah. And what was nice is they showed us the clip, which was primarily a Foggy Karen moment, um, and you kind of, you know, as with any of these clips where it's shown kind of in in static, you know, in w- without context, that is to say, um, you didn't know why he was at, like, a butcher shop or a deli or whatever that was? Well, we
1: know he why he's at a butcher shop. He's always talked about, you know, how his other career could have gone, uh, you know, uh, slinging uh, coal cuts. So the, the minute we see him in a... Uh, In a butcher shop we we just knew and then eldon henson uh made it clear you know oh you know those those people you saw in the background that's actually uh you know my family his his screen family
0: (laughs) his his screen family though he did say the actor who plays his brother looks like his real brother so yeah uh good casting there uh we also had teased for us pete but not shown so this is still at least virgin turf for me some of the karen page backstory
1: Yeah, we have uh, anticipated this for a long time. Um, Not teased or anything like that. You know, you you think back to her murder of Wesley and, you know, how she's uh, really kind of internalized that over the past couple of seasons. And now you have this meteoric rise as a reporter with, you know, little formal training and uh i think it only makes story sense to dig into her character the the closest we've ever gotten is the idea that ben yurik was doing research and compiled a file on her and then um ellison has read it and he had it but he he pushed it aside you know that stuff doesn't mean anything to him and uh you know let her go to work
0: it is doubtless a smart move to dig into the past of these characters into their familial connections and whatnot again there's always that concern of the overstuffed marvel netflix season or should i say rather understuffed in that you just feel like there's plenty of sausage casing and not enough sausage in there I welcome the idea of spending time getting to know these characters laterally in the past or whatever. And it certainly doesn't need to be, oh, it's the Luke Cage flashback that directly informs the story, although that was nice, but to just really get this sense of well-rounded characters while we're going through the season-long adventure.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to Fisk, you know, it's, it's out there in the trailers. Obviously, he doesn't break out of prison. He cuts a deal uh, we're not going to go into the specifics of what we saw, um, but that's where uh, Agent Nadim comes in, and the whole thing with getting out for Fisk is really a two-pronged plan. Um, we know, of course, there's this, as described by the panelist, Matt, uh, Mr. D'Onofrio, there's this gnat he has to take care of.
0: It is funny to think how both Vincent Tanafrio, ostensibly the the number two person on the call sheet, or perhaps in reality, I may mean, dare say he's earned that. Uh, but but the primary villain um, has the same kind of convention or public or PR. Kind of like it appears that he carries that personal animosity. I mean, you don't really buy it, but he's doing the same thing. This is my point. He's doing the same thing that Jeffrey Dean Morgan does for Walking Dead, where it's not like, oh, man, Charlie's such a funny guy. We played checkers, and they'd say, three, two, one, action, and I'd be like, I'm going to kill you. It's that he, both both actors, D'Onofrio and Morgan, kind of affect this carryover of... The, the character is them, and they dislike the other actor. That's, the, know, method, and we'll,
1: man, that's yeah, the method, That's oh yeah. the school.
0: And we're going to talk more about some of that method stuff. I don't know how method uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, but we got, we got a little mini two-minute acting clinic from Vincent D'Onofrio, and I think for everybody in the room it was sitting at the foot of the master, but more on that in a moment.
1: The other Fisk scene that we saw was a super tense, really, really well done to the point of claustrophobic scene of him being transported
0: and not knowing story-wise what has led up to that moment a scene where in the vacuum just seeing that scene you find yourself suddenly feeling sympathetic for fisk which is probably not a place we are used to being mentally
1: uh, they they tugged a little bit with us in, in that first season, you know, when we see him as a child and, and what he ultimately did to his father and his mother's defense. Um, and, and that came up quite a bit at the panel, that they, they don't have villains, they they have antagonists. Um, and, and really getting people to understand that everyone is the hero of their own story. But this, this sequence was involved. It, it's, from what we understand, not the big sequence that they've teased, nor is the other one we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, and I am really, really looking forward to seeing it again
0: well pete let's talk about that i see in the notes here a certain lawyer who's been in other shows returns pete i can only imagine that you must mean the one the only uh character of marcy stall who karen page (laughs) once said of her what's the deal with the meat grinder in the pencil skirt uh i must have missed the clips that she was in but pete is marcy back ready to break some hearts are we going to see more amy rutberg on screen
1: we are but uh that was not the one to which i was teasing these notes
0: so, so who's the other lawyer then
1: another lawyer we've seen uh both on daredevil and elsewhere
0: i guess we'll have to watch that season after all um we also had Olson olsen tease one uh big fight that was a big one take fight uh in the ilk of trying to mimic the uh the 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 one take fight, the hallway fight from season one. He kind of mentioned in passing Whoa whoa, uh, whoa.
1: He's he said they outdid it. There was no mentioning in passage.
0: Well, no, I was gonna say they mentioned in passing the the stairwell fight, which I think was season two's yeah. attempt. But yeah. I guess here's my point, Pete. Season two attempted to equal it, but I think was upfront and saying, This is our signature fight, but we can't outdo, no one can outdo the hallway fight, Pete. Olsen says they outdid the hallway fight he, for season three.
1: He claims they have. Um, and it was so involved. He actually took the unprecedented step to get permission to stop shooting for a day and to completely rehearse the sequence with all of the talent involved. Um, and he would not even tell us the director of that episode. For fear that it will spoil the episode number. So he doesn't want us to know it's coming. Okay. Um, and uh, really, really eager to uh, get to what and whenever that is.
0: I'm going to go ahead and guess. Mm, 106. or Sorry, pardon me. 306, 307. <laughs> but just a guess there. Um Pete, what we did get footage of was one heck of a fight, uh, as shown a little bit in the trailer. Then we saw more of it uh, in the bullpen of the New York Bulletin, laying absolute waste to uh, to that setting. In no small part because uh, unnamed mystery guy who is really good with throwing things accurately. You mean tur- you mean Daredevil? <laughs> uh, I just might, Pete. People are going to be a little confused if they see that footage out of context.
1: Yeah, I'll correct you from the, the journalism side. Uh, bullpen is not a print convention. That That is a radio or a TV uh, situation. This was a straight up newsroom. Hence the things, while it, they exist in other forms of media, though, exist in abundance in a uh, print operation that were weaponized
0: pete i'm surprised that karen page's meteoric rise in the world of journalism was somehow not weaponized but i mean it really it, it hammered home the abilities of Dex of bullseye um to just see all those normal office things turned into weapons yeah. time and time and time again. If that's not the best fight of the season and we were told it's not, there's a better one then we are in for one heck of a season.
1: Yeah. And the, the creative use of angles and obviously there is a uh, digital trickery, both in terms of cuts and in terms of effects. But Something like we have not seen on this show, uh and I can't help but come back to the to the new energy that's that's been breathed into this, so if bullseye showing up is the worst kept secret, we know that there are secrets that are still held close,
0: yeah, it did cross my mind though they didn't show a full episode, of course, I think some reference you know I think some reference was made to. Um, seeing some scenes from more than one episode or something like that. So I kind of, they may have even said specific numbers, although not for this, you know, this epic fight we have to look forward to. But my point is, I was a little unclear, you know, when in which episodes are we seeing clips from. I would imagine, you know, it's obviously not going to be like the season two finale fight in the at the New York Bulletin. So it makes me wonder, you know, at what point have they stopped and what goodies are are still kept secret. Just have to wait and see. Then, Pete, it was time for the Q&A and longtime listeners and indeed anybody who has attended a Marvel panel at New York Comic Con will know Jonah. Pete, the young man who's, who's now getting a little older in life, voice has come He's, down he, a little he bit. He can
1: watch Netflix comfortably and, and not have to worry that, you know, he needs mom or dad around or, or permission having to sign a waiver. We've watched this young guy grow up. And it's no wonder that Jeff Loeb and, and Charlie Cox are uh, very aware of him. And he was given he's he's the uh, Helen Thomas, uh, you know, able to start it off for us.
0: Um, yeah, he had a question going. Certainly Jeff Loeb tipped his hat to him saying you're almost uh, you're practically a member of the Defenders now. Um, Pete, the question that nobody asked, how many episodes would there be? Uh, We can say with certainty, having having done some digging and some this and some that, definitely a 13-episode season, but wait, Pete, I thought that Iron Fist was the most favorite thing ever on Netflix, but if Iron Fist Season 2 got 10 episodes and Daredevil got more, what does it mean?
1: My fan theory is that uh, Runaways picked up those extra three. So when we see Danny Rand of Rand Enterprises in uh, Brentwood uh, at some point late in the Runaways season, we, we know where it went. But seriously speaking, I'm just really glad having screened the first six and abiding by the embargo that uh, there's actually more Daredevil ahead yet. I was worried we were only going to get four more.
0: Uh, there also was a question directed towards Vincent D'Onofrio and how he had developed the, that voice. And it's funny because Vincent D'Onofrio's speaking voice is kind of a little bit higher. It's a little bit more up here. It's a little bit, well, you know, that's an interesting question. And then he said, I'm going to get kind of like, he didn't say like mamsy-pamsy, but it was something like a- that. Actor, like
1: it's Actory-mushy.
0: Um. And then he started to say how there's this acting technique where you you dig into a real emotion and you pull that up and you kind of feel the emotion that has been in your past as a, as a real person. And then you apply that to what the character is going through and that kind of a natural outgrowth of him kind of mentally going over whatever this unspoken uh, difficult time was in his past. What voice came out, but it was the low voice, the, the hushed power of, of Fisk. Um, and then he kind of stopped and was like, sorry, I told, I told you I was going to get all actory and mushy there. And it was like, no, like that was amazing. That was incredible to find out how Vincent D'Onofrio works. It was really
1: good. And knowing that now and rewatching, I can't help but fixate like this performance is actually coming from a from a place of pain in his life, a memory that he's digging into in order to produce that. So, you know respected the guy a lot as a performer already and and now forget it
0: uh there also was a, a an ill-advised question when are the defenders going to these join? were all
1: supposed to be yes or no questions by the
0: way <laughs> yes uh when are the defenders going to join the mcu jeff Loeb said well they already are you could hear the audience starting to like it was like the rowdy crowd, like, ah, don't you, don't you understand, stupid questioner? And the guy kept going, Pete, Jeff Loeb kind of shouted him down. If only Jeff Loeb was there with a, uh, with a, a mallet, you know, boom, 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 order in the court kind of thing. But uh, not, not the most intelligent question. It's all connected. And you know what? It's okay that not every little last thing gets, gets covered hither and yon.
1: I've seen some discussion lately, particularly on Facebook. There's there's this need to point out, well, Kevin Feige says that the Defenders will never be in the movies. No one ever said they would be, and they don't have to be for this to be a connected universe. You look what goes on in a lot of other TV, film, you know, uh, properties, and there's no where near the level of connectedness that goes on here. It's across shows. It's across networks. um, And, yeah, they acknowledge the events that go on in the film and the characters that are in the film. Okay, so Captain America doesn't say, boy, poor Daredevil had a building dropped on him. Did you really think they were going to do that? They're kind of busy in those movies, but it's connected enough. And that's what I think people need to realize. You know, you're you're talking what what's the current count of shows, Matt? I mean Agents of Shield, uh one, two, three, four, your your defenders, five, Punisher, six, runaways, seven, cloak and dagger, uh, eight at this point right now in operation. So, you know, when when we can watch an episode the same week of Cloak and Dagger and then Luke Cage, where a, uh, you know, volley is sent back and forth about, hey, there's this detective who came to New Orleans from Harlem. I'm going to tell you about my friend, Misty Knight in Harlem. And then we get a reference on Luke Cage about a uh, cop who went from Harlem to New Orleans. So, you know, it, it is all connected. It's just not constantly connected in the way that some people have unrealistic expectations.
0: And also, I mean, you look at the comics, yes, there's crossover, but it's not like you're reading the pages of Fantastic Four and they're like, Oh my goodness, can you believe that black suit Spider Man has? We're going to spend the next four pages talking about that. You know, if there's the need for Reed Richards to use a sonic uh, beam to get the symbiote off Spider Man, fine. Otherwise, everybody kind of stays in their own corners to a large degree, which is also kind of how life works. You know, we're all tied into the news and this and that, but, you know. we're all not as tied in we're on, we're all not as connected as i think it feels like we are because you sit and look online and go oh man look at that building collapse in mozambique that's absolutely terrible then you go on with your day you don't actually then go interact with that you know most of the time or whatever that whatever else it might be so i think people just need to i don't know it Pete, with all of this, you know, and I, I think of Star Trek Discovery that we'll be podcasting tomorrow, there's a certain sense of fan it's not just fan like desire for things to be connected or fan neediness but it's kind of like i need to be the author of how this is all connected and when you don't do it that's wasted time that i spent hyping my blog where i thought there was going to be a thanos crossover in uh in daredevil season three and you didn't give that to me so my russian bots tell me that i need to hate you the way i hate ray and and the
1: solution is simple go write your own Yeah. Okay. And and do it well enough for somebody to have to pay attention. But we we know how uh, critical people who only look to tear down. We know how constructively creative they are.
0: Well, Pete, just like the Fisks of the world, I'm sure they will get their due as well. But that's the big question for season three what will happen to fisk i mean we 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 get the sense maybe there's you know he starts in custody i mean just general storytelling the shape of a season characters changing uh even not even counting whatever footage we might have seen the possibility of him being out there in the world again that is that's got tons of possibilities for the season along with i don't know you know do is there a first half second half split uh, I don't know. I don't know so much about this season. It makes me all the more excited to see it.
1: I thank goodness we're as close to it as we are. I think the anticipation has has pent up this extra time since we've had the show more than two years ago.
0: Well, Pete, just as Jeff Loeb said before every uh, clip, he, he asked Dina, who was in charge of the clips, wherever Dina is, Dina, turn the crank. Uh, let us turn the crank now to... Thanking everybody who supports us on patreon.com slash for keeping the bandwidth supported, the storage supported, the support supported.
1: Yeah, if it were not for them, none of this happens. No New York Comic Con, no uh, family of podcasts, nothing. So everybody who contributes at patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word uh, gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's the Wilson Fisk level. There's the bullseye level. There's the foggy level. There's the Karen page level where I work with you uh, on becoming a journalist who can hit the front page. So uh, thank you again, one and all.
0: Well, Pete, the greatest gift to be able to talk to you on Twitter, how can people do so?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,062 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But Pete, there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek, all one word again with the pH, really a great place to interact in the course of a bingeable season in terms of, uh, you know, talking to us about your, your feelings, your theories, your irrational fears, uh, for a season.
0: Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back tomorrow to talk Star Trek Discovery at New York Comic-Con. If you're listening to us on the Daredevil feed, we have previewed Season 3 just now. Cannot wait until Friday the 19th to dig on into uh, this new season. And I'm sure Pete will set the pace that we've had for uh, the last couple Netflix series, doing uh, two or three a week, certainly and uh, getting through this exciting season as fast and as deep as possible.
1: Yeah, you know, we we hit Daredevil, then it'll be time for Runaways. We got these Short tracks going on, these uh, 15 minute, once a month, uh, Star Trek episodes. They're full-on episodes. So, you know, it was our busiest time of the year and, uh, you know, can't wait to chew it all over with you.
0: Well, with that, Pete, i will say adios to all the listeners and give you a final word dina
1: turn the crank I'm back, back, back into